hello. Welcome to episode 21 of the One Life Church podcast, where we talk about things from One Life Church, but also things that we think can relate to you and your one and only life. My name is Sarah Inman, and I am joined by my co-host and our lead pastor, Brett Nicholson. Yes, you are. And I hope everybody's having a fantastic day so far. Brett, I have to start out, and I have to apologize you for have something. To do this? Yeah. Okay. I just thought about this. Um, on one of the earlier episodes of the podcast, I, I called out something that you say a lot. Um, yes. at, when you teach. Um, <laughs> and I feel really bad because a couple weeks ago... It's just as something we were, people have wanted to yeah. do forever and you finally did it. I, That's I, fine. I, and I didn't mean it as a bad thing, but um, <laughs> I, I noticed when you were teaching that you started to say it and you stopped yourself yes, and then changed yeah. your words and almost right. giggled because you realized <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. It all happened. The word was maintained. I, yeah. I would say, really? She said if... She said, I think you said when I die or something, uh, or I should write a book or whatever yeah, else, or someone should write a book. I would maintain. And it should be titled, I may, I would maintain. <laughs> yeah. Because I say I that. And she that says, one. any, you never, and Jeremy's <laughs> heard me ad nauseum. I mean, if anybody has. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would say that a lot. But then once you said it, yeah. so I always listen back because we tape on Thursdays and I listen back to what I say. And I noticed it and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's right. I'm, it's gone. It's out. So I don't say it anymore. <laughs> I feel bad now. I no, feel like I, feel I, I bad. broke you. you. I didn't me. mean There's to. probably people that left the church altogether because if he says that <laughs> phrase one more time, I'm out. And yeah. he said it. Yeah. I, people do that. But Jeremy never even noticed. No. But once you're alerted to it, oh yeah, I'll go back you'll and hear listen. It. <laughs> I'll hear it all the go time. Go back all over all the old. Time. I'll make a note and send them to you. <laughs> That's right, you should. Yeah. Well, that that leads us into welcoming our guest today, Jeremy Seacrest. Jeremy, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thank you. This is my first podcast. I feel like really I've arrived right. at something, That's and then right. I noticed PK and B record. Yeah, it's right back there. Bob Seymour. And uh, so. You're the first person that's noticed that. 21 that's right. I'm looking straight at it. Yeah. So. That was strategically placed for someone to notice. <laughs> and, uh, well, I'm excited. It makes me feel at home. Oh, so. Good. That's right. <laughs> Bob and Kathy right back there. Yeah. We should put that on and just have a little somber <laughs> music in the background. <laughs> Got a record player. It'd be good intro music if you want to like Ooh, switch up. Change it up. Right. Well. I wonder if there's true. copyright for that. I have to check with Bob. Nah, Bob owns it. It's good. Well, Jeremy, first of all, um, we just want to learn a little bit more about you before we kind of dive into um, your role at the Evansville Christian Life Center, which is something we want to talk about today. But who's Jeremy Seacrest in general? How do we get to know you a little bit? So um, I I go to One Life and I've helped start it. I was on staff at Bethel and um, kind of followed Brett and the whole gang as we, we started One Life. And it's been cool to see just this big... I don't know, it's, we're getting old because I, <laughs> I it's like, oh, wow, we've been around a while now. Um, but just, I don't know, it's just been cool to see from that standpoint of of being young and growing my faith and seeing us all kind of hopefully grow up a little bit in the faith and together. Um, so I've been, been immersed in that, um, been married for 14 years and uh, to nice. Joy and um, she homeschools our three kiddos mm. and does an awesome job with that. It's our first year trying that. And outside of that, I work at the Evansville Christian Life Center and do some marketing stuff on the side and also like to write in between <laughs> those like three extra minutes of time that oh I have. Oh my gosh. And pulls it off though. And yeah. I have how many books now? What? Um, I'm getting ready to release my third kind of Okay, so that those three minutes are yeah, they're, 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 they're packed in. I that's write really good. short right. books. Those are I call them books. Some people call them blog posts. So. Oh, okay, okay, that's fine. They're still they're still books. And what are your books? What are the name of your books? That you oh, um, one is Creative You, which is talking about making life a creative project. Um, the second is Does My Great Grandma Drive a Motorcycle, which is totally different, and it's mm-hmm. a kids' book. 
and um, illustrated by Brett's nephew, who's amazing. Ben Way Wade. to go. Nice honorable yeah. mention. Ben oh, yeah. Wade. Wade. That's right. Great illustrator. Sure. And then I'm getting ready to release one on marriage and kind of seeing our love for Jesus and desire for Jesus through the lens of marriage and how many of us can be disappointed when we try to make our spouse Jesus. Mm. <laughs> try to make your spouse Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of us do that. Though. That's a, yeah, I think you. I think you're you're right uh, on principle, especially. Yeah, we we or at least we think that way going in. Like yeah. this is that savior figure that's yeah. going to make everything yeah. okay. <laughs> and I don't think <laughs> they're might. wired to fit that category. (laughs) (laughs) Have you always wanted to write or liked to write? Is that something that you've always wanted to do? You know, I mean, when I was a kid, I decided that I was going to be a writer and I think I tried to write fake C.S. Lewis books. And then I got into other things and never really thought I'd come back to it until honestly about 10 years ago. Actually, when when Joy and I led the college group at church, I started teaching and I realized that I really liked putting words together instead of I'm a graphic design major. So I like did that and thought that was my thing and then started realizing I liked putting words together and did it better on paper than in person. But I did notice you said fake C.S. Lewis books when well, you not, were a kid. Well, like, like uh, there was a kind of a paradox there. Like, wow, you must've been quite a kid. No, I know it sounds a lot more impressive. I like <laughs> okay. Chronicles well, of Narnia. Impressive. Okay. So I wrote oh, a book that was basically okay. Okay. Chronicles of Narnia. I didn't write a book. I started to write the story that was basically Chronicles of Narnia with different characters. Okay. <laughs> okay. Made your own version. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. Might have some copyright infringement. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. People are like, hey, wait, this sounds so familiar. What could this be? That's, that's really, it's really interesting. But still, I mean, I, I, yeah, I had it pictured like you were a kid and doing, you know, mere Christianity or the great divorce or something. No, that would kind really. Of deep thing. I thought, wow. So no. you were a prodigy as a kid. My son, maybe, but. Okay. He's that's right. He is, I am he is right now. A smart so. kid. Yes. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Well, and you talked about um, being a part of the team that kind of got One Life launched, mm-hmm. and a lot of the creative, uh, early creative, I think, was partially from you, correct? Yeah, yeah, we're part of the team with Chris Weatherly and Damon Hancock yeah. and Brian Notes, and we had <laughs> a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> there, it, and, and some people don't know the roots of, uh, there was Bethel Churches here in Evansville, and that's where uh, all of us met and, and got together in college ministry and things like that, and that was the roots of what became One Life. One Life was kind of an outgrowth of, uh, I've told the story from the platform that uh, it wasn't a church split. It wasn't a, it wasn't a church plan. It was kind of a splant thing that happened, and we were all in on that. But a lot of it goes back to those days of college ministry and yeah. the service we used to sh- share in and try experiments. And w- the the coolest thing about the Bethel environment was we got to try whatever came across our heads, oh, like anything. And, uh, you you awesome. name it, and yeah. we did it. And and that we had fun. a lot of really neat stuff. And we had a lot of epic fails too, and yeah. and everything in between. No, but it was, and that's what birthed. Out one life eventually, and we still try to be that way a little bit. I think we've got a little civilized though. We probably ought we to. might we might be a little yeah. bit too professional. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> we need to get really rowdy again, kind of bring some motorcycles. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we did that. Wait, that's that right. happened? Did yeah, you? Yeah, we it? did the repelling from the ceiling. That's a whole other story. We'll have to come <laughs> Were either one of those you? No, I didn't do the repelling. But there's a story from one of our leaders at One Life that she was related to injured, me, related to him, and got injured, and oh we didn't repel gosh. anymore. And so yeah, we, there was. But yeah, we rode motorcycles and unicycles and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, it was, it was just, but that was the cool thing about it. It was yeah. like, it was the kind of environment we had leaders above us that just like, just don't burn the place down. But, but we did use pyro. And we yeah, absolutely. And we didn't. Yeah. Don't tell Brett that. Yeah. He wants to use well, pyro. I was there. So bad. Yeah. <laughs> I had to go off right by me, scare me he to death. It nearly killed me. That's right. <laughs> and, it went out. and you That's still right. want to do pyro. Yeah. I still want to. Yeah. Cause it, well, you anyway. know. 
But no. that's where we came from, yeah. No. And that's yes. where and Jeremy was a part of that crew and always has been. And and uh, so he's he's got a lot of deep roots at One Life. And one of the main reasons it is what it is. Yeah. Good, bad, and ugly. <laughs> <laughs> I have thought about like some of the things I might disagree with. I probably help. Exactly. Oh, man. <laughs> that's right. I think one of the first times I ever um, knew of Jeremy was a video you and Matt made. Was it ping pong? You, were you guys doing like a ping pong challenge or it was um, very I remember we funny. danced. Dancing. That's what it was. It was a dance off. Oh, that's right. The dance off. Yeah. Film. You had like See, sweat we could bands do anything. and everything on. It didn't matter. Yeah. That was, yeah, it was a one life thing. It was him and Matt. That was yeah. one life. So yeah. there's yeah. some of that blood over. So, yeah, our creatives. But we do want to talk um, about the Evansville Christian Life Center, which yeah. is where you work. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's your role there? I'm the director of marketing. Okay. So what does that entail for Evansville Christian Life Center? Uh, I mean, my main role is basically to create, like, resources and tools and messaging that helps people connect to both understanding what we do and to getting involved if that resonates with them. So that can mean everything from digital media to mm-hmm. videos to books to whatever else my boss says. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good. Get that. I understand that too. Yeah. There's always that and whatever else they say. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, and so for someone who doesn't, maybe doesn't really know a whole lot about the Evansville Christian Life Center, has never heard of it, or maybe just knows a little bit. Yeah. How would you describe that to someone? Uh, the Life Center. So we've been around over 30 years and we work to help people who are in a place of need and probably in most situations say poverty move out of that place of need and toward their potential in Christ. And so that can look different for each person. Um, but the root of it is we help, we help fight the issue of poverty in our community. And we have a lot of services to do that, but have a very intentional philosophy and path to help people move forward in that process. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and I think it's for those for those who especially don't know what the Life Center is or where it was, it, it came about years. Did you say it was thirty years? Is it thirty? Yeah, I is think it, we're thirty-two. This okay, time. that sounds about right. Well, as uh, at Bethel, the there was a, a gentleman who donated the old monastery that had been there since what it was uh, what 1897. year? Eighteen ninety-seven. Eighteen ninety-seven. So there's an old monastery there. It was uh, had the walls around it, had the whole deal there uh, wow. on South Kentucky Avenue, and he purchased it after they moved out and gave it to the church. Yeah. And I remember talking to the leaders of the church going, wow, thank you. Sort of like, <laughs> what, what? The what world are we going to do with an old monastery? They thought about selling it. They thought about a number of things, yeah. but it sits in an area where that is under-resourced. And they thought, mm-hmm. well, let's just convert it into some kind of outreach thing. And it started with, I think they began with a hot meal program and, and food, clothing bank, that yeah, kind of stuff. I'm pretty sure that that's... Yeah those are the services mm. that kind of yeah out. and that's it kind of was birthed that way but it really really caught on and it did a whole lot of that but i i think within the last maybe it's a decade or five years i don't know you can help us with the timelines uh w- with the leadership there mm-hmm. it, it it's always yeah, been about helping uh the poor and, and fighting poverty but there was a philosophy change that happened mm-hmm. a few years ago that was very intentionally I think you guys are still in the middle of it almost like yeah, switching th- over to a new model or I think it's been about 10 years where we switched um, and yeah it's kind of a, a process and I'd say we've switched a few years ago but um, everybody knowing <laughs> the changes is still definitely in process so what what happened is and and we are not like unique in this, but as nonprofits kind of started and you start nonprofit organizations are even less than a hundred years old, primarily the way things set up. And so you, you know, you, you start doing good, you gather 
people who want to do good and find ways to connect them. And then you see what kind of works and doesn't. And what we did is, is we realized that a lot of the things we did, which were loving people, serving neighbors in need, um, we did a lot of free things, a lot of giving away. And we realized that we, we were seeing a lot of repeat customers, um, (laughs) for years and years and ones that did not have disabilities that, that, had opportunity to move forward and realized that we weren't serving them right if if we were making them dependent on us. And I think we we realized we we're in the process of potentially enabling some of our those mm-hmm. we serve through the way that we did things. Um, and so so Gina, our executive director, started exploring other other organizations and discovered models that helped people move forward. Um, Robert Lupton in Georgia was a big influence and just, and he talks a lot about charity is not about us who are giving, um, but it's about seeing the lives change of those we serve. And therefore the way you do your work needs to be about them and less about you. Um, and, and I don't think most people don't know, are not doing things maliciously or selfishly. They just, we don't know. And as, as you kind of uncover that, peel back the curtain, like, so how can we help people actually move forward. Yeah, and he's the writer of the book, Toxic, Toxic Charity. Charity. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And so that was, I, I got to hear him speak at a Catalyst event and, and I had never heard of him at all. And he was just kind of out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, he told a story of he would come from the suburbs and his people at his church every year at, mm-hmm. around Christmas and they would do this gift giveaway, which, you know, great idea, wonderful thing. Yeah. But they said they noticed a pattern every at every living room they sat in. If mom and dad were there, mom would sit with her head down and dad would leave the room when they gave the kids yeah. the gifts. And it happened and happened and happened. And it finally dawned on them, wait a minute, we're, we're doing something that for mom and dad is, I'm sure they appreciate it, but it, it kind of carries with it a level of shame, especially for hmm. dad. Yeah. And that switched their paradigm. And they said what they started doing after that was they would gather up the same toys and things and they would have a little store down the street and mom and dad could come for very low prices and buy the gifts themselves and give them to the kids. And that put dad back in the room and mom with her head up. And I, I did, yeah. never forgot that image. It is, uh, and I remember the, the Life Center kind of talking that way um, mm-hmm. after that through the, through the book and everything. Because like you said, no one's malicious about anything. Yeah, no. Meaning to do something good, but you're right. not maybe thinking it through. Yeah. Uh, and so, it's, so what are some of the moves that you've made kind of tangibly in that shift? Like what are some of the significant things that sure. you're doing now? I would say probably the one that exemplifies the change is we used to have a food pantry, uh, like an emergency food pantry, where someone could get three days worth of groceries, and we had certain time restrictions and that kind of thing. And and we were one of eighty food pantries in the area. Eighty, so yeah. So, so that alone made us think maybe this is our niche. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, but we we've transitioned that to a food co-op, so that members who are in good standing of some other programs can. Um, pay a small fee and get 50 to 60% of their groceries taken care of for, for a a temporary amount of time. We're talking about usually 18 months as they're going through these larger Mm -hmm. programs so that it helps defray their cost as they're trying to build their savings or pay off debts or whatever they might be going through. Um, but the food co-op is a very tangible benefit, but it's not something, it's not a long-term thing. It's not going to enable them, but it's going to help them rise over the challenges of moving forward. Um, and 
because even even moving forward, um, often if you decide you're going to move forward um, and you're in a situation of poverty, oftentimes if you're getting a promotion or a pay raise, you lose benefits faster mm-hmm. than you can raise your income. Uh, it's just it's mm-hmm. you see it over and over and over. And so you if you go from making nine dollars an hour to ten or eleven, at some point you're your housing allowance will go down and some other benefits. And so you're right on the edge anyway. And so your motivation to like, okay, I can do this for how long and still, right. still make it, your, your motivation goes down. Not even motivation, but just the practical reality of how do I even get over this gap? And so we call that the wage gap. And so something like a food co-op and some of the other things we do help people walk through that. Cause it's hard. I mean, just the system in, all its complexities, it's hard to move forward. And so, um, so that's kind of where that exists and where we exist in there. Um, another thing is the gain initiative, which started as another thing called circles. And this is about 10 years ago. So that, that was really the turning point and, um, where we moved from doing strictly relief services and the gain gain initiative is a long-term, um, thing that starts with a class and creates a network of people who are helping each other. It brings participants and partners um, all learning about poverty together, all helping each other identify and overcome barriers that are keeping them there. Um, And we've kind of realized there's like four main causes of poverty. There's usually nine to 11 barriers that keep somebody in and usually a web of all those all mixed together. And so, so moving out is not just a simple okay, here's what I need to do and here's my three steps. But it it takes relational, I mean, it takes relationships, it takes being connected to, to resources, to jobs, to whatever it might be. And, and a lot of people in poverty are isolated or don't have a network of positive relationships helping them move forward. So that's, if anything sums up what we do, the GAIN initiative would be that. Um, and that kind of starting that led to a lot of other changes yeah. that we've done. In our yeah, services. That, and, and I don't, uh, that's just one of the reasons we wanted to have, have you on here was because it was, we're talking about building a great city. Yeah. Uh, and it's always been the heart of the Christian church because of Jesus' message is to preach the good news to the poor. And, and it's very much anybody that reads the Gospels, that's an obvious value. It's yeah. not hard to see at all. Uh, and so everybody jumps into it, but it's, it's amazing to kind of watch. Um, Christian people really think about their compassion on a deeper level. Sure. And I guess that's what's impressive. I didn't know that, um, and I'm glad you were here because I've not heard of the GAIN Initiative. Oh, okay. Yeah. Even yeah. though my own daughter worked for your organization <laughs> and for you, I guess maybe I stared off into space when she was telling me about it. I feel really bad. Uh, but walk through a couple of things that, you, that you've learned about uh, poverty itself uh, since being yeah. there, just through that, oh, as sure. if you've lived inside that environment that the typical person, myself included, wouldn't know necessarily. I think, I mean, honestly, I was as ignorant as anyone before I started working here full time. And then I even had been around the Life Center for years and years. And I think, I think one, it's, it's just the idea of potential. Like, I think I associated with poverty work with commercials with Sarah McLaughlin and, and just like, I mean, like taking this horrible, bad situation and making it mediocre like that, that sounds bad, but that's kind of my perception that I had going into it. And, and instead, as I understand, as I see all the awesome things that those in the services are doing, and then as I understand, um, 
the Bible and any of the things we've been talking about in our messages is is Jesus has designed us all to to flourish and that looks different it doesn't mean prosperity gospel kind of things but there's just this healthy flourishing of life with God and and with each other and that that's working in the poverty space is helping people remove barriers and clutter that's keeping that from happening in their life both individually and in our city and I think that's it's just a crucial part of the good news of Jesus, because we all have those barriers, or the barriers just look different from whatever, wherever you're at. And for some it's poverty. And, um, so I think that's, that's one of the keys is that it's this beautiful picture of growth and vitality and, um, and flourishing is what the work of fighting poverty is doing. Um, not just a bunch of old ladies trying to Make right. you feel obligated to give money that you'd want to spend on vacation <laughs> or something. And I'm uh, sure, like, as I, I was just reading, actually, on, on, on your website, mm-hmm. restoring, restoringpeople.com is the website for the Evansville Christian Life Center. And Thanks for the plug. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and on the services, <laughs> I, I was looking that. at the GAIN initiative. No, I was reading more about it as you were yeah. talking about it. I was like, that's really interesting. And what is really, I think, key to this, and it kind of fits even what we were talking about here this past week about relationships and how being a part of community changes things because you get to kind of be a a part of people's story and they get to be a part of yours. Mm -hmm. And in this, I can see, um, a major benefit. One, obviously the person who feels isolated gets connected to someone and someone who thinks they know what someone in poverty looks like actually gets to see that. Right. So that's, I mean, it was that kind of, how do people get connected in that way? Like how do you, like as a partner, like do they go through some sort of training or? Yeah, there's, um, I don't know all the specifics because there's different roles that you can play within it, but to be, to be a partner, a lot of times, um, both the partners and participants are going through the same training together. There's a, a several week or multi week course that they have to go through before they kind of move into the next phase. And so I think that's cool. And what, what's awesome is like to get connected, you, you sign up and you have to mm-hmm. go through that. Um, and when I visit the gain initiative, I really don't know who are participants and who are partners. That's- and, and when you walk down the halls often, <clears throat> excuse me, you don't know, it's hard to tell who's who I know the staff cause I know them, but, right. um, and, and the, then there's blended fuzziness where some people who are clients are also volunteers and donors in different capacities. And, Interesting. um, yeah. so we think of ourselves as the life center itself, as a community of people who are working to help fight poverty and you're helping by being a client, you're helping by being a donor, you're helping by being a volunteer. And, um, and that's, that's cool. And yeah. it, it just, I think it goes back to that we're all made in the image of God. We all have um, needs and we all have value to give. To. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm curious about, um, like I, I had the benefit of growing up in standard middle-class environment. Um, I just, that was what I was used to. That's, I think uh, those of us here were. And, and as I w- was exposed to poverty, I've done third world mission kind of things. And uh, we've all been to those parts of our city where we can tell things have uh, are under resourced and there's, mm-hmm. there's this frustration, but what's some, uh, what have you, what would you say to all of us like my, myself that what you wish everybody knew about that particular situation that you might not know automatically. I just kind of drive through there and I think, wow, you know, okay, that was, that's a negative or whatever. Yeah. But then I go on with my life. What would you, would you wish people knew? I think I wish people would know that it is complex. Like the factors that lead someone to being in these situations, um, 
can, like, depending on what news you listen to, you can usually have stereotypes of it's just somebody's personal responsibility, therefore the solution is just get over yourself and get a job, or the other side is it's government or society's responsibility and fault, and therefore just give people resources. Mm -hmm. Um, But the true, like, research has shown that, yes, personal responsibility plays a role, um, government factors play a role, but so do local conditions of how many living wage jobs are available, how much safe and affordable housing is available, and also even exploitative practices from certain cash advance shops. That's one of the major factors that contributes to it. And so all those factors combine from generational to a circumstance to someone who's has to care for a disabled family member. Um, and that if you don't know their story, you probably don't know how to help them. And the complexity of that is you really have to get to know somebody to help them at all because it's not as simple as many of us would even hope to think that it is. Yeah, in our own situations, if we would just kind of, you know, we're, we're supposed to love uh, love our neighbor as ourself. Mm-hmm. And so you're, I've been trying to meditate on that concept a lot lately. And, and it's like, okay, in my own situation, I have problems that I know are complex that you might yeah. be able to look at and go, well, all I got to do is this, just do X and you'd be fine. Well, I'm sure. like, well, shut up. You're, you're, <laughs> it's not that easy because it's not, you don't know the other underlying factors. There's right. this, there's that, there's parents, there's background, there's my, my history or whatever else. And I think I, what I heard was the same basic thing is yeah. like, you can't just kind of fly in and say, well, this is all you need to do Just flip this switch. Right. And it's easy to do that uh, standing at a distance if you're out in the middle mm-hmm. of it. And so yeah. that's, that's really, really helpful. And, uh, and I hope everybody did get that. So what are, uh, you, you did, I, I find it was interesting. You said the, um, uh, the cash shops is it, yeah. uh, is one of the highest, uh, like factors. There's I mean, the four fact, yeah. those are the four factors right. that research has shown to lead toward, um, toward conditions of poverty. I honestly don't know. Which four of, is it again? I'm sorry. It is, um, personal behavior and that can yeah. mean all kinds of things. Right. Um, government factors and okay. laws in the system. Um, and then you see your local community conditions and then exploitative practices by cash advance shops and mm. some of those. I got you. Okay. Exploitative yeah. practices. Well, okay. And you don't think yeah. about that. I mean, and right. in your everyday, like just walking by and, and this idea of what you think poverty is, I don't think about those things, all of them uh, no, contributing. No. Yeah. And if you do, you think you've got the answer. Yeah. You go, oh, okay, well, yeah. Uh, with the, yeah, and and it, I like the way it balances. Kind of uh, obviously, in our country, there's there's a left right battle, right? But it, it, it's, truly, the solution is kind of there with a blend. It's not in the middle, it but is. it's a blend of the two thinking. Yeah, we, like we say, they're both right, but they're incomplete. And excellent. And yeah. so you don't. It's it's not a partisan issue. I'm gonna at tweet all. that. That's right. I'm gonna, all right, yeah, good. That's, and take full credit for it. You know, like, here's the answer. I got it. But it's it's great. No, it's yeah, they're both right, but they're incomplete, which makes yeah. a lot of sense because mm-hmm. um, you know because I've wondered. I know in my own life, even getting ahead, somebody was just in a bit of knowledge gap. Yeah, uh, someone came along and gave me knowledge I literally did not have before. I never sure. even thought about it, even in dealing with finances or whatever else. So I would assume yeah. it would be the same way with other people. So yeah, we say like the two out of all the our experience and failures and experiments and all that that the two things that help people move forward are relationships, like a network of positive relationships, yeah. and then resources. Resources, meaning sometimes it is the practical. I need help with my groceries. I need 
relief services and that kind of thing for a time. Um, and those resources can also be educational. They can be coaching. They can be networking me to know who I can talk to about a job, um, job skills, and a myriad of things. And, and that's part of the process from the Yeah, I would say those, the, those two things kind of inform all our services and mm-hmm. the, the path that we do is we try to try to build things so that it opens the door for relationship, both from volunteers and staff that help identify those who are trying to move forward, build relationships and connect them to other services and coaching and classes that help them take those steps forward and, and wherever they are to help them become move toward who God's made them to be. And that might not be with us. Um, it might be like we collaborate with over 150 organizations locally. So, um, we want to help them succeed and it's not just our little owning our little empire. (laughs) One of the challenges I threw out and it's kind of growing on me is that I think we have a responsibility to two things when it comes to doing good. It's, it's one, it's just that general overall character built, just be a refreshing, you know, kind of, um, uh, someone that's bringing good into people's lives in, mm-hmm. in, the, in the simplest ways. It could be a smile, an open door, that kind of thing. But there's also kind of deeper creative um, good that you think through. And I think a lot of people would resonate with what you guys do. And so as they hear that, and I've heard you mention volunteers, I've heard you mention these people that are working. Yeah. If I was, if my heart's beating faster right now because <laughs> I love what you're saying, what can I do to, to get involved and, and what kind of opportunities are there? Yeah, uh, so I mean... The, the three ways that you can get involved are through volunteering, donating, or we say being an ambassador, just telling other people about what we do. There are tons of opportunities from volunteer standpoint, from a one-time to a group to ongoing things. But so if I could have one action step, though, it'd be to take a tour because there is so much. I mean, I can simplify and give you bullet points, but um, like our goal is that if this cause is something you're you resonate with is to honestly create a long-term relationship with you where we are kind of Jamie Levy would say the vehicle connecting you to the cause that you care about. Like that's the role of a nonprofit. And so we want to build a long-term relationship with you. So if you come and meet us for like an hour long tour, we'll show you services. We'll show you our monastery, 120 year old building. That's kind of cool. Uh, It is. I I love going in. It's a piece of Evansville history. Um, and there's crypts where nuns used to be buried. Yeah. We'll take you what? to there Absolutely. if you want. Yeah. And, there's and turn an off the lights sometimes. Oh, my gosh. Um, this podcast just went another level. I know. <laughs> that's right. So, but I, we, we think that's the best place to start because yeah. you do get a better grasp um, rather than just seeing it in a brochure or something like that. And how do you sign up for a tour? You can go to restoringpeople.com yeah. and right. sign up for a tour. Awesome. And, and I know a couple of things that I want to make sure we, we talk about because I've seen on social media, you guys have been doing the five minutes in poverty yeah. walkthrough display. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what's that experience like? Because I've seen you putting it on a couple of times on social media. So Yeah, it's um, so we have both like this big 16 foot wide display that travels. And one of the main things is like we talked about, it's hard for those who have not experienced poverty to really just understand the daily life struggles of someone in poverty. And so this has kind of a choose your own adventure, mm. um, presenting you with scenarios that you have to choose. And, you know, am I going to pay my doctor bill or am I going to get my water shut off? Or, and then it kind of plays down mm. as you as you make these choices. Um, and with the idea, just, just education about what poverty looks like in yeah. Evansville. 
um, and that it's not just extreme living under a bridge or that kind of thing. It, it includes that. Um, but so many in Evansville are honestly, you would not know that they're in poverty and you probably know plenty of people that are in poverty and you just don't know that they are. Um, 40% of people in Vandenberg County, 40% of households are designated as either in poverty or like one step away. Wow. Um, and so 40%, 40%. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, so we're trying to help broaden perspective of like, it's, it, it's a lot of people mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not, it's not the stereotypes or caricatures you might have in so your mind. And so this, this is a way to do that. So we take that to businesses, churches and mm-hmm. schools, um, and we can give a presentation or they can just have it there and do that themselves. We also have a playing card version. Yeah, I saw that. that. You can have for your small group. A pl- or what now? A playing yeah. card a playing version? Card, yeah. Like you can play poker with these ideas. <laughs> yeah. That was kind of the yeah. idea. Playing and, card. Yeah, version? and if you gamble Good. and make money off of oh it, you gosh. can donate it. Yeah, to that's a life that's that's an excellent <laughs> correct life idea. That's or, a, or to one life. See, that's one of those old, you know, pre one life <laughs> creative ideas. Like, hey, let's try this <laughs> poker for. Yeah. Okay. Then you had, you said you had uh, a couple of things. There was one. Yeah, and then I saw you guys. Actually, I saw a picture of your wife modeling oh, yes. the new T-shirt. Yes, um, when yeah. I see you, I see potential. And I know potential yeah. is a word you guys use um, and focus on because that's what you're focusing on is people's potential, mm-hmm. not just solving one issue. And, and yeah. we, we talked about that a little bit a few weeks ago with um, Rob and Jeremy. They're doing the same thing. I, similarly, right. like they're focusing yeah, on potential of kids. And I think that's a, a solid word. But obviously, you're selling um, the shirts. But mm-hmm. the idea of potential and the shirts, if you can kind of talk about yeah, this a little bit. Yeah, the shirts are just a way, um, like the phrase, when I see you, I see potential. We're like, I, I think that encaptures what we want people to know about our work is that anyone, not just those we serve, but those we work with, mm-hmm. um, we hope that we're helping them move toward their potential in Christ through through the lens of the things that we do. And so the shirt's just a way to spark conversations Um that if you see it, doesn't have our logo on it, doesn't have any of that, yeah. but just that somebody can say, hey, what's that mean? And hopefully, yeah. hopefully think and think about us in terms of the word potential and maybe not as relief services or some of the things mm. that we Excellent. used to do. Yeah. Yeah. As a marketing guy, did you come up with that? Was that, that your thing? Yes, that was the point. Way to, go. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go. That's okay. You do your job well. And in April, you guys are hosting... Bob Goff. Yeah. Yeah. We're really excited. That's a pretty um, big deal. That is a huge deal. Yeah. So Bob's mm-hmm. awesome and uh, loved reading. I've read his first book. I still need to read the second. And it just the what he captures, I think if we could aspire to be like someone, it'd probably be kind of like him. And, right. um, and so we think this is just a great way to bring people together. Also let them know some of the changes we've made and, and uh, hopefully it should be a good time. It's April 15th at Bethel, and it it will be fun. It's mostly 98% of it is just him talking. That's awesome. Yeah, and if you've never had that experience, you've never heard Bob Goff talk, it's an experience. You need to do it just yeah. because he is different. I, I can't think of a, a person that I would compare him to. He's just a completely like unique person. Dave Schwambach times 10 or something. <laughs> yeah. And, and he laughs at his own jokes and, and tells <laughs> just weird stories. And, but he's got, but it's, there's a lot of depth there. You can interpret right. him as being this sort of, he's so goofy. He's lightweight, yeah. but he's a lawyer and he does very in-depth uh, work uh, throughout the world on, on very high levels. And he's yeah. got great stories in that way. So I couldn't recommend enough because I think it's a paradigm shifter that will happen if 
if you've never heard it before. And you get tickets on, on your website, anywhere yeah. else you can pick up uh, tickets? You can go to the vineyard okay. and get them too. Yep. Cool. Awesome. Um, anything else to ask Jeremy before we kind of wrap up? To or? ask Jeremy. Yeah. Oh, that, that I feel like we got to just, <laughs> you know, throw something <laughs> random at him. We've talked yeah, a lot so about. What the was the real center. reason you left One Life staff? Because <laughs> <laughs> I needed insurance was, and I was working part time. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, oh, that's right. Never mind. I need that answer. Should have brought that up. We're going to edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was our staff, but now, no, I, I am, I'm actually glad that in, in a strange way that you ended up at the Life Center because I've watched the Life Center for many years and was a part of that journey. And uh, it's, just I, I like uh, the direction that it's going and how you're playing a role in that. It's uh, thank you. It's very cool. And and Gina is also my cousin. She's oh, really? that's true. one of my cousins around so the city that's changing Evansville. I've got cousins everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I really do. They are doing cool really, things, and part so. of that's because he has like hundreds of cousins. I, I really <laughs> do. And it's the the odds are for it. Yeah, we are. I'm just gonna it's, start saying, Brett, is this person your cousin? Assuming you, that they are. You should ask that. That's right. You should. And I know most people are probably listening to this who've been through Kickstart and said. That voice sounds familiar. It's the voice of our mission animation, mission video animation from our Kickstarter. That's I know. Jeremy I still wouldn't That's have true. chosen that, but Matt asked <laughs> no, me. No, I, I, I love it because perfect. it makes everyone feel so welcome. Yeah, more than my voice ever yeah. would. I mean, it well. just you do. It's it's calming <laughs> and it's welcoming. It's it's amazing. It is great. Yeah, it's not great listening to your own voice. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I agree with that. Oh, no, it's fun. Well, Jeremy, it's awesome hanging out with you, learning more about the Christian Life Center. Um, I'm sitting here realizing I haven't been through a tour. I'm going to schedule and go through. I think you'd be interested to come learn a little bit more about it to be able to talk uh, to people about it even more. So um, anything else you'd add or want to talk about, say about the Christian Life Center we didn't get to ask you? Oh, I, I talked a lot. Good. <laughs> I thought it was fun. Awesome. Don't tell Gina I said that. She, was, she right. would keep what? on talking. You said more? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and again, you can guys can find out more at restoringpeople.com um, and information on how to find a tour is under the events. Um, and there's more information about that Bob Goff um, opportunity coming up as well. Brett, anything that you want to tell us about next Sunday. Oh, next Sunday is uh, the, the way it's sizing up right now. We've we've covered a lot of ground, the city thing, and we're we're continuing with that. But I'm going to try to pull it together um, in, into a sensible kind of okay. Because the goal of the series was to understand what we mean when we say build a great city, and then see yourself in it. And we're a little over the halfway spot, and I want to make that a lot clearer. Okay, this is what that actually looks like. Before the next half is going to be, where we're going to talk about vocation and the arts and uh, the marginalized in our community and neighborhoods and things like that in a lot more practical way. So it's kind of the pivot point, I guess you'd say. Cool. And we've got some guests that are going to be joining us on Sundays that'll be also joining us on the podcast. So we're excited about that too. That's exactly right. I'm not going to tell great. you who though. That's so right. you just have to listen. Just stay tuned. <laughs> Thanks guys for joining us. Music by Ben Brock and Micah Robertson. To find out more about One Life Church, you can visit onelifechurch.org. Or to contact us directly at the podcast, just email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org.